get ready for Unriveted Radio on Super Talk 1270. Now, here's Travis Feist and Rob McLeod. So welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Dakota Customs Unriveted podcast. With me is Rob McLeod, my co-host. I'm the owner-operator, Travis, of Dakota Customs. Morning, guys. Morning. So today we have uh, a gentleman that started up a fabrication place down in Joshua, Texas, called ABF Fabrication, and his name is Aaron Bodurf. Hopefully I said that right. I think I did. And uh, we'll be visiting with him today in just a couple of minutes on some of his work and what he's done down in Texas and how we've got to know him and our relations from us way up here in North Dakota and him way down there in Texas. Yeah, we're a ways away. Yeah, a little bit. It's actually not that far not when you drive it. Too far, no. yeah, I've done it a few times. Boring drive for sure. Yeah, it sucks actually. Uh, shop talk. I think again, bike show next weekend. We're getting ready for. Yeah, getting that road Coming glide. Up. Yep. Just uh, the last few details. I'm making sure it's ready for the show. Um, this is kind of where we see everything coming together and all the hard work we put into each single aspect come into full circle and it's looking like it's going to be a, a showstopper. So, yeah. And plus we're going to have that other, we're going to have Bado's the big show bike down there again. It's like, it's been a few years, but still shows. Like, it's not quite the big show anymore though. Yeah, but he is. He is. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If anybody knows him, it's the big show Bado. Yeah, that's that's aggressive. Yeah. Well, he holds up to it. He, he sure tries. does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, we have a lot of uh, vehicle stuff going on. A lot of projects just continuously keeps coming in. I think as like we have more projects become more widespread um, throughout the shop that our progress kind of does fall back a little bit just because we are now handling even uh, multiple digit or a double digit projects at one time. It's just like, well, the progress kind of now slows on each one, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, the kind of the, when, when people bring us their projects that they want us to do, I mean, that's just kind of a little, one slight drawback, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we've got, like I said before, you know, we've got a good crew, um, and they've been doing awesome. Yeah. And it's good to have those kind of guys in here working for you. Honestly, like, real talk, because we're on a podcast, this is the most comfortable I've ever felt since I've worked for you with the team we have surrounded. Like, we're all... The attitudes, the mindset going forward on everything, I just, it, we feel, never felt more of a group um, ever than I do, than we do now. Right. Yeah. And I have to agree. I think even just, you know, when we have our morning get togethers and our morning meetings, the camaraderie's there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can tell like people are coming to work and everybody's smiling, good mood. You know, we're, you know, throwing the jokes out there and, and it's, I think it's a good start to a good work day when you come to work right away in the morning and you got that happy attitude instead of, you know, you're mad or ticked off about something. But 
I think just that positive energy goes throughout the whole day. Yeah, and it kind of just makes, you know, our lives easier being on the other side of the shop, on the business end of things that we have, guys that want to be working on these vehicles. It just, it really shows in the end result of of the work they do. So it it makes our jobs easier, you know, Mm -hmm. um, delivering these vehicles to the customers and um, we can feel confident that, um, they're going to love it yeah, because hard work has been put into it. And the guys actually have that work ethic that they want to be here. Like when they, when they show up for work, you can tell that they're happy to get up and actually come to work to work on stuff that you can just tell it too lately. Like just their, their work method that they take pride in everything they do. And, you, and it's starting to show. And like I said, it's, you know, you can you can have the best business in the world or the best name, but if you don't have the execution of what it yeah. takes to start from A to Z, it and, won't last long. No, yeah. So but, having good employees, it uh, does make a big difference. And speaking of that, Aaron, I don't. What do you? How many people do you have, or how many employees do you have down there? Uh, we have <clears throat> so right now. I have four separate from owners but we all as owners our second hat is employees as well so okay. i would say there's about eight of us oh, together nice. uh on payroll there's uh there's six people on payroll and then you know myself and my brother we you know we we're just um we're on payroll but it's payroll and on owners draws because we're both mm-hmm. the only ones that don't aren't w2 employees sure right do you feel the same way down there i mean do you get the same vibe from your employees down there that you can sure pick out the ones that want to be there versus having ones that are just there for a paycheck or. Right. Yeah. I can see it immediately. And and the weird thing is I almost feel like I can see it before I even hire them. Like I can usually see um, if I'm going to hire somebody, it's not even see, I can hear it through a phone conversation. Like I can usually get the phone conversation of the person asking questions about coming to work for me. Mm-hmm. I can usually get a vibe at that point whether or not this person's going to work out and right. so far it's been 100 percent accurate each time oh you know, yeah so really how long, weird but yeah so like how I long pick up on attitude immediately oh absolutely so how long have you been how long has the abf fabrication been in business in business uh we started in january 12th of 2012 so we are just over 11 years oh, cool. into business congrats yeah congrats so even being you know like i said going on 11 years i mean when you try to get people that come in there and they think that they can pull wool over your eyes or they can, they can try to pull one over you. Just like you said, like you can tell instantly between the people that have a passion or want to be there versus they're just looking for the next dollar or the next paycheck. I mean, I've, I think when you get into that process of, of doing the interviews and talking to people, like you can pinpoint that so easy just by, like you said, a few minutes of having a conversation with them. Right. I, I would definitely agree with that. My only downfall is I'm a nice guy and I give <laughs> right. people chances. Right. So See, I, I'm always, uh, we all fall I'm always giving that. somebody a chance to, you know, to try to prove themselves, even though I have a feeling that they're not, I, I would love to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't like to, you know, be judgmental right, at, right on my first gut feeling, but a lot of times my gut feeling has been accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel you there. I've 
Travis can vouch that I've definitely made a few questionable hires in my day, and it came back to bite yeah. us both. I think we both have, actually. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, I thought he was a good guy, but yeah. he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what? It's just another thing, too, like I've learned just being in this industry and in this business is, you know, you just never judge the book by its cover. But I think after, you know, you ask more questions and talk and talk, like the true colors and their just their body language and everything, like you can totally read some people. But like you said, I'm kind of the same way too. I always like to, well, maybe this time it's different or you don't know like how they, you know, where they came from and that environment was probably different and their attitude was probably different. But then sooner or later, the true colors will come out. And, yeah. yeah. Sometimes there's not always the silver lining. Yeah. Should have went with the gut. Yep. Um, yeah. So you said you started out in 2012. Um, now that's kind of when I feel like the side-by-side industry really started kind of popping off. Now, did you start out your your fab company specifically building parts for side-by-sides or were you doing other sorts of custom fabrication too? Uh, I did start it out specifically for side-by-side. Okay. Um, kind of just progressed into that. So the way it, it worked out is um, I was working at a drag racing shop building chassis for small tire cars and oh, pro cool. mods. Nice. And um, I had someone reach out to me that knew me personally and wanted me to build a desert race xt900 so this is 2012 which was when the xt900 yep. came out that was the big so dog. it was the first yeah it was a big deal i mean it was trailing arm suspension the longer travel the bigger motor i mean it it was the first real big deal side by side um so he had contacted me wanted me to build you know i already had some equipment in my garage from tinkering for so many years um and i said you know what i'll do it i'll, I'll build you a, a car so I started building XC900 Desert Car. I did a long travel kit, full chassis, chromoly, TIG welded. I mean, it was, you know, everything you could think of. Um, and so I'd agreed to work with this company uh, to be their pit crew when they were going out and racing. And the company I was currently working for, we started, you know, get running behind. So we had to do some extra weekends of work and, and whatnot. And we got to weekend that was the race, which I'd already asked off months in advance and the owner of the company was like you need to you know pick where you want to be mm-hmm. right and at that point it was just like the i guess it was the the push i needed i kind of felt a little betrayed you know after being there for so long and so i was like you know i guess this is the, the point i need to step out on my own so i did and that's kind of where it where it started i started it in two-car garage i had a uh curtain rod put over top of where the laundry was so that my customers didn't see the laundry mess, nice. you know, with some curtains to hide it all. Yeah. And, uh, that's where it started. You got to start somewhere. That's awesome. So before we kind of get, you know, into things a little further here, let, what is ABF fabrication? Like, why don't you explain a little bit to our listeners what you actually are? Um, okay. So what I am currently, we, we call ourselves the cage experts. Uh, our main focus is on roll cages. Um, particularly all side-by-side roll cages, UTVs. Um, I don't really dip into um, non-sport models, so it'll be like X3, mm-hmm. you know, Razor, all the sport model mm-hmm. vehicles. Um, but we have stepped our foot back into the automotive a little bit. I did come out with uh, a year ago an S550 Mustang roll bar, so we have kind of moved into that. But so that's one side of the business. The other side now um, is kind of progressed into full custom 
uh, build. You know, I started that with the Pro R back in April of 22. Uh, we built one, which is the one that y'all had in yep. your shop. That's the first one we built. Um, and since then, it's just been progressing. Um, I would say the, the idea of our company is to just be progressive at all times. I mean, it's whatever the economy kind of wants us to do, what of our customers want us to do, mixed with the, you know, where we want to take the direction of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always working forward, you know, so that's kind of the, the goal there. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like it kind of goes right in line with your, your customer bases too. Like we'll say, you know, strictly desert right, racing, that's, you know, in a really aggressive sort of racing where it's never enough. There's always a new limit to find. You're always finding your current limits. So if that's what you're providing to these guys, well, you got to be just as progressive as what those guys are wanting out of their products too. So it's like, it's every day. What's, what's the next, next best thing you can give them, you know? Right. Yeah. And we, we have kind of shifted from the racing to be honest a little bit to more, uh, to the more recreational side of it, but it's not any different as far as, uh, being progressive. It's just, I would say it's, uh, it's a little more friendly on the customer side of mm-hmm. it. You know, we have always provided the best customer service we can, but the, the side that we've seen in the recreational is it's, it's demanding, but it's less demanding at the same time. So it's mm-hmm. a different type of, of customer than it was in racing. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to have their car by the next race mm-hmm. in the racing series. And so it just leaves everyone in the, sh- at least our opinion, it left everyone in our shop very wore out all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our, our shift to the, higher end recreational side has allowed us to dump as much of our skill sets as we can into products without concern of whether or not we can get paid for it. You know, it's, you know, we just dive in anything we can think of as cool as we can make it. And then we put the price of what it took to do it and people buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really opened up a, a really awesome side of, of our company to be able to just, I'd look at it as, we get to add more value constantly versus worrying about chasing the bottom line or chasing a, a, a price war between other companies uh, to see who can build something cheaper to get sales. It's us. We'd rather provide as much value as we can and then just charge what we need to charge to, to make up. for It just, it's changed right. our business drastically in the last two years. You kind of put yourself in your, your own little market. Cause there's a point where you can almost go so high end to where people know that you have the best product and they're just going to pay for it, whatever that price is. So I feel like there's actually um, a pretty solid market for those types of products. And obviously you, you've done well in that market because that's when we had that, that pro R that's the first thing that people pointed out. And that's the first thing I noticed when I saw it for the first time too, is just the way that cage just kind of, it's like putting different wheels on, on a pickup. It just completely changes the entire look of the vehicle, um, the way it profiles. It just, it looks like it should have been there since day one. But yeah, right. this is mm-hmm. a fucking badass cage. Thank it, you. I appreciate it. it we, it's definitely something we take a lot of pride in. Everybody in the shop does. So. Yeah, so our customer, RJ Mullen, which we've, we've had on a previous podcast, and we've um, interviewed him. We've showed off some of his... Um, projects that we've done for him and he was uh, a customer a very good customer of ours that purchased a what was that a 22 i think that was that razor yeah it was a, a 22 22 yep. yeah yeah and he purchased it and it 
it got shipped up to uh, his house and he brought it in for us to do what we do on it. And it came with your ABF fabrication roll cage on it. And, and a few other goodies too from ABF too. I'm yeah, sure. I think you had, there was a bumper, I think too, or I know there was something else or was it the top That's cage? probably the, I think it was like rock sliders, all the, the grant. Yeah. Yep. Uh, sorry, the grills, the vent. And then we, that was the first audio console we ever did on Pro Art. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of our oh, yeah. release of that with the yeah. stereo and the roof as well. Yeah, it was really clean. Yeah, and uh, man, I was impressed. You know, even from you know one one guy that's uh, in this industry of fabrication, looking at another man's work, like it's I I dug it. I mean, it's I appreciated the the craftsmanship there, and it was uh, I think it's cool. And I was I was digging it. I mean, that it it looked really nice. The the machine looked cocky. It was uh, it was pretty impressive. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's I tell my guys in the shop. That's what important is. The customer needs to like it, but we need to make sure that when other fabricators are looking at our work, um, I don't want them looking at it and talking bad about it. I want them to be impressed. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want your your competition to have something of yours in their shop and then be unimpressed with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you want them to worry about you, and that fuels competition. Is what fuels our drive. You know, if we have something we give to our co- you know, our competition. They get it in their shop and they're impressed by it. They're gonna think, man, I need to step up my game. Mm-hmm. Then they step up their game. I see, man, look, they stepped up their game. You know what I mean? It just goes back and forth. It yep. keeps everybody on their toes. Yeah. You know, I never look at my cus- at my competition as um, a threat because my competition is what drives me to be better always. Mm-hmm. So you have to give them appreciation and thanks for keeping you on your feet. Absolutely, you know, and it's. Whether they do good work or bad work, I mean, you still, you still are, you know, kind of holding yourself and competing against their quality, regardless of how it comes out. Because if you didn't, like you said, I mean, then you're not striving, and like you said, it keeps keeps you on your toes. Yeah, and that's the kind of attitude that's not only going to keep you in business, but allow you to grow as a business too. You know, just um, if you keep on providing the best, people want the best. You know, that's what essentially keeps the lights on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any future plans, Aaron, or do you have any goals like you're trying to reach expansion? Uh, or We do. We have some, some goals we're trying to move into. I mean, some current, like, real quick goals. Uh, we're trying to move into a new facility. Um, it's just been extremely difficult right now because of, you know, everything that's going on. The market's just gotten, you know, outrageous to find land to build on mm-hmm. or to, to buy a place. It's gotten a little bit out of hand. So something that we're trying to get into, but it's got to, you know, we're, we're trying to make it work and make it all make sense. That's going to also help us bring in our laser cutting. So that's one thing that we don't do in house that would open up a whole nother Avenue of parts for us. Cause right now we're waiting on, you know, I got a prototype to another company and then when I get the part and I like it and I got to put the order in and it, it takes a while versus if I had that equipment in my shop. I could turn anything right. sheet metal parts within mm-hmm you know, a day to, you know, know whether I want to keep using it. So mm-hmm. that's something that we're, we're working into in the next, you know, couple of years. Um, our main goal, I, I still want to move even further into the luxury. We're calling them luxury UTVs. I use that hashtag now. But I think that's something we are trying to promote. Um, you know, six figure UTVs is something that will probably be the norm at our shop, which sounds absolutely crazy to people, but um, we did that at the Sandsport show for 2022 
I don't know if y'all saw that car or not yet, but we mm-hmm. called it the Aventador. We based it off of a Lamborghini. First time somebody had ever seen a price tag over a, you know, over a hundred thousand on a car, um, which we put into it. That's not a inflated. It is just straight retail. There's no markup, no nothing. Um, and we got what we wanted for it. And so it kind of sets the tone for the market. And I think that's where we're trying to head is more on those full on luxury, uh, bills like that. That sounds crazy to have a luxury, uh, off-road vehicle, but people want it. So, right. Well, they're hot. Where we're, we're headed. Well, that's awesome. And, and, uh, hopefully that, uh, you get to meet those means, but it is, you know, and it's crazy when you think about it everywhere you go, there's, I mean, there's, side-by-sides that from all years of ages of people driving these things that from in retirement um living facilities you know to families taking them out and um and everybody's just like this new the side-by-sides a new whole new era that people are investing money into and um i know a few years ago i was up in cave creek arizona and they had a rally up there of side by sides, and it's crazy that some of the stuff that came through that you've seen, just like you said, like people will invest quite a bit of money on these things. And there was some up there like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't uh, cheap out at all on the expenses on and the accessories and everything else on these things that people can drop a ton of money in it, but they want it's something that they get a lot of use of, you know, they're in these things. I know if you think about, I don't know, maybe back in the XP, the 900 era, you know, like you were saying, people bought these machines cause they were just a weekend recreational toy, you know, just like a boat or anything else. But now they're an everyday yeah. tool. They're an everyday, uh, you know, families are using them and driving them around town and, people are using these things on a daily basis, which now they want, you know, they're investing more money. They're, they're, um, you know, cause they're spending more time in these things. So the whole era has changed completely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where we saw the, the opportunity is that people are starting to want it to feel like they're in their, in their car, mm-hmm. you know, and Polaris has seen it and all and can am has seen it. They're starting to put these, these, uh, technology into these cars or into these UTVs that cars have, you know, mm-hmm. the pro R has like, if you get the ultimate, uh, the ultimate pro R, I mean, it comes with reverse camera. It comes with electronically controlled shocks. It comes with full stereo system. You know, it's got different modes of driving to change the, you know, and it's like everything you'd ever have in a car. Now there's a couple things they're missing that we'll bring to the table eventually. Probably. I mean, now they've got like, you know, you don't get, electronic seats yet you know you're not getting mm-hmm. full cab enclosures and things like that which i don't know that that'll come just because i think people like that open feeling and until you get into the really cold mm-hmm. but uh like where y'all are at it's right it's hot. <laughs> don't ever get cold here so. yeah and it, you know and it's not crazy. gonna happen yeah you know and that's where it's so different at market because even just like when i think we called you one time on so we put tracks on that on that xp and i know you guys um I think we reached out to them, didn't we, on that? Because they had the custom suspension on it, and we wanted to go put tracks on it, and we had a we had a hard time making that change over putting the tracks on this machine. But even once you do that, then they're like, "Oh, it'd be nice to have that enclosure that you, you know." Because when you're up here in the snow and and it's cold and you got snow flying everywhere, now they want to get more bang out of their 
buck, you know, with these machines. And I think you're going to, I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see where they're going to make full cabs for these just because I, th- it just, I think it's going to be more and more of a call for it. Yeah. Which they do for like the more recreational side of it. Not less, not as high horsepower. Like I know the North star Rangers and the mm-hmm. defenders, they've all got full cabs. Yep. Um, AC heat, all that in them now. Mm-hmm. So. Power windows, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I love it. I love how progressive this industry is. Right. You know, it's exciting. Uh, I'm not a sit still type person, you know, even on the weekends, I don't, you know, my wife's like, Hey, we don't got nothing to do this weekend. I'm, I'm getting anxiety and, and getting upset because I like to do things. So I'm, I love progression. I like things to move constantly. So it's, it's a, it's kind of like a thrill for me to, to do this because I get to constantly come up with new ideas. Yeah. Nice. It's like you're, uh, you're going out and having fun, but you're also kind of like coming up with ideas of what you can do next. So it's kind of like, you're just, you're not, you're always working. You're just testing, you know, that's the way I see it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Tax write off. I'm always working. That's right. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. For sure. For sure. So, um, kind of getting back to the business side of things. Um, I tried looking up that Aventador machine you guys had. I didn't, couldn't find it. I was really interested on trying to see what that thing looked like. But, um, anyways, so when like people come to you, um, we get it a lot. Like people will come to us and be like, well, can you just build me a bumper? I was like, sure, we can build you anything you want, but it's going to be about three times the amount of what it costs, say fusion. So it's like, because they have all the jigs, they have all the plans, they have all the metal ready, avail- readily available to, um, build this custom bumper. That's why the price point is just three times, um, you know, from what it would be that it would take us to build that. So like that's where like custom fabrication gets kind of tricky. So the, the, the fact that you kind of got it to a point where I'm sure your, your price point came way down on your products. Um, obviously you still got to charge for your tooling, but now you can, you got it to a point where it's manufacturing it's not just a one-off custom fab job every single time. So, like, kind of explain to, like, can you kind of, like, connect the dots on that? Sure. Um, it's it's kind of like that. So we're kind of, like I guess, say more of a mix in between. Um, I do have, you know, the equipment to try to, you know, mass produce things. I've got CNC uh, tube machines, and I've got uh, the two CNC benders, and I've got jigs for products. Um, but I'm a little less, <clears throat> I guess, I hold a little less exact on my jigs. And the reason being is we're trying to be a little more custom for our customers. You know, when you go to my site and you want to buy a roll cage for a pro R, um, you get options, not just little add on options. You actually get options on somewhat of style and height of the bends and stuff. Yeah. Um, so to do that, I cannot build real. I mean, I could have had to build, I'd have to keep multiple jigs. Um, but I, I have a jig that basically keeps up my pickup points, but I do not have pickup points for, say, holding the top side of the tube or things like that. It's just the main frame locations that I do. Right. Um, so it's kind of mass produced, but I would say it, it's more of a mix between because every order, yeah, every case we do is just about all built to order. Okay. Um, because everybody wants a different height. You know, a guy, everybody wants two different heights. You know, I've got guys that want to be you know, six inch lower than stock and guys want to be four inch lower in stock and so forth. Um, and I don't, I just don't normally build for in stock because there's too many things that people change. 
Right. You know, and I, I'm not trying to be the guy that sells, you know, seven, eight hundred of these a year. Or we, you know, we we thought we were there. We thought we wanted to do that, and then we realized that we wanted to do something different, and our customers wanted something different from us. And so we've moved to, you know, we do probably still twenty or so roll cages in a month, which is a good amount. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Those are all that's twenty. I would say mostly twenty custom slash production cages. Every one of them is customized for the specific customer. You know, they, you know, somebody may not want intrusion bars, which is a little V bar in the windshield. You know, so that can't just build one with V bars because if the guy don't want them, I'm not going to cut them out. That wastes labor. Mm-hmm. So instead of cutting it out, I would sell that to someone who wants that. So that's another thing that's really important with us. You know, I, I don't like to redo things. Um, so a lot of times when there's an, an issue like that, with a customer, you know, hey, I didn't want this tab here. That's where your standard tab is, but I'd like it moved. I won't move that tab. I will build them a whole brand new cage with the tab and do nice. in a different position. It keeps me from having to, you know, pay someone to cut something off, pay someone to cut it back on versus I can just build them a new cage and then sell that to someone who wants that. It, right. it kinda, just makes more. Kind of helps and you then, accommodate more yeah, customers right. too, you know. What's that, Aaron? So then you're not getting a, a sanded and grinded, oh, yeah. you know, bulk cage. You're getting something that was meant to be the way it is, instead of it, it being cut off. Right. You know, it, it's just something that we do. It's a little different, I think. Well, I think, um, in, and the satisfactions there too. And you know, if a customer come, you know, want places that order, you don't just grab one and say, "Well, cut these tabs off of it, grind it down, make it look good, and get it out the door." I think just building that thing back from scratch again is just a satisfactory thing. Right. It, it lets them know. Um, and it, we also do like a uh, customer updates throughout that process as well. So that's something I like to offer our customer. And if I sell them the cage off the shelf, I don't get to offer them that, that experience. And what that means is, so when a customer orders, um, and we don't do this on everything, but like on our roll cages, because mm-hmm. those are built to order. Mm-hmm. Um, when you order a roll cage from us and we start to cut it on our CNC machine and, and we let you know, uh, you'll get a text message that says, Hey, your roll cage is in production. Uh, when it progresses to being actually assembled on our jig, mm-hmm. um, the office will also give you another update, letting you know that we're actually building it and assembling it. And you get photos with that at the same time. Um, so you're getting to like be a part of your project. Uh, we do it one more time when it's complete before it goes to powder. And then we do it another time once it's back from powder, you know, all finished nice. up. So it really keeps people feeling like, you know, they're here and they're part of the experience mm-hmm. versus you know, not hearing from us for months. Nice. And then all of a sudden, now your your project shows up at your door and it's not perfect. Also, that's another thing. It helps prevent issues. You know, issues get caught. You know, if we miss something, which we're all human and we do, mm-hmm. a customer can look at that photo and go, oh, you know what? I wasn't supposed to have intrusion bars. Okay, cool. We've only tacked it. Now we can break the tack, pull the intrusion bars out, and fully weld it. Now, nice. that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we get all the way to the weld point before they notice that. But, you know, those are things that have really helped our customer experience becomes, you know, what I, I think is one of the best out there. Um, and having the guys in the shop that have that same idea and the same goal in their head really helps that happen. You know, they're not trying to cut corners to get something out the door. They're trying to make sure that, that customer's experience is exactly like they want. You know, they're the ones that upload the pictures. Mm-hmm. Every time they're working, they upload the pictures to our, you know, our scheduling software and that then the ladies in the office can take that and deliver it. It's just made it you know, a, a pretty awesome experience. Which nice. definitely um, comes back to you because, you know, 
I feel like side by side guys are really kind of a a tight knit community. Um, probably especially more or less down south. And so if like if they say that they were, you know, pumped on the quality and just you know they're just like they were excited to receive your product. Well, they're gonna tell their buddy about that. And then for instance, their buddy that doesn't have your roll cage is probably gonna be more keen to look into you your company before anyone else's company just because they got that positive feedback from whoever did get your cage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, sure. uh, so I have a question. So when the first one roll cage was brought to you for you to make, did, did you actually just start grabbing some metal and, and building it? Did you, did you hand sketch it first? Did you, do you have a, like a CAD design where you, you know, drew it up first. Like what, what made you come up with, you know, when you're, when you get a vision in your head of how you want it to look or what you, what would look good. Is it something that you hand sketch out just to get some ideas or, or like, how do you, from start to finish, how did you design your first one? Okay. So very first one, other than the, I guess other than the desert car we built, cause I had, I got a little bit of direction from that guy. It wasn't really something that was all of mine. It was a lot. It was about half mine, half his. So mm-hmm. the first one I did it was in my garage, and yeah, I didn't have any equipment. So yeah, it was hand sketch. It was uh, take a picture on the computer, upload it to the computer, print it out on paper. You know, get some markers out, play with it, see what I like for different heights, and you know, to make based on what the customer needed at height, but you know, changing the angle of the roof, whether it's rake back, rake forward, flat. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to just come up with what I thought I liked the best. And, and back then it was guess and check, you know, I didn't have software to, you know, pick up points that I could put into the computer and then start playing with the design. I had to, you know, take a piece of welding wire and mm-hmm. put it in a shape and go, okay, I kind of like the way that looks on the front of the car, you know, and then bend that one bend and then let the tube continue on and then look at the back and put another welding wire and go, yeah, I kind of want to rotate this way. And then you got to put it in the bender and, uh, you know, dang, I messed that one up yeah. in the trash do it again you know it was a lot of wasted material a lot of trial and error um i did it all out of my head in the beginning um then my brother came along in 2000 and what was it i think 2014 or 2015 one of the two my brother came along and he's a little more on the he wants things repeatable so he took all the notes that i had to build cages and we made more notes so that people could do it without having to ask me because it was you know hey how do you make this notch fit this tube okay here you hold it like this you mm-hmm. know that that was literally how it worked where he turned it into now you you hold it this angle with an angle finder on the rotation you put it at this angle in the in the uh vice and then you notch x amount of distance from the end of it you know he put it into terms that could be repeated sure um and then it progressed into you know we got uh SolidWorks software where i started actually CAD designing all the cages so that I could, then I could look at the shape and I could have the, the photo laid behind it and kind of figure out what I wanted. And, and the CAD design, um, that was before we had the, the CNC machine. So the CAD design just brought it to where I could see what I was doing first. And then we would go out and hand build the tubes based mm-hmm. on dimensions that we got out of the, out of the CAD software. And then the next progression was where we got the CNC machine that was able to export you know, the CAD data, mm-hmm. put it into, a, you know, a CAM program and run the machine and it would build the, you know, it cuts and bends the tube exactly like I draw in the computer. You mm-hmm. know, that was game changing. Oh, absolutely. So how long do you think it took you to build your first one? 
before you had it. Uh, I shouldn't say perfected, but three, to where you could start. To, sorry, I interrupted you. But, yeah. uh, three and a half to four weeks was the first first roll cage I ever built. It took me three and a half to four weeks to do it. Um, so it was it was a pretty long process, and I would say right now, uh, depending on how many people in the shop, I can I can do you know however many I need to in a day, but uh, I can usually get at least one per person per fabricator out. It depends on how you know extreme it is. It's a basic two seater cage. Now I can build. I got two main guys on it right now, so I build about two in a day hmm. versus one every three weeks. Nice. So in, in that three to four weeks, was that eight hour days or is that working evenings on no. it? That was probably 15 hour days. Yeah. So back then I <laughs> yeah. lived at work. Yeah. Well, it was my house. So, you know. So, yeah, it took I some time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, do you got a, a side by side of your own? I do. I've got, uh, say it's old. It's not that old. I got a 2019 Turbo S. That's my personal okay. ride. Um, what's, what's all done that? I it yet. Oh. But it's still really nice. It's sought after because they're not making them anymore. A lot of people like them. I have mine's low mileage because, you know, I work and I don't ride right. very often. But, um, no, I, I love it. I love the car right now. It's got a some sort of issue. It doesn't want to run right after I put a new diff in it. So I got I got to spend time working on it instead of working on other people's stuff. But, you know, I do love it. My family loves it. My kids love it. You know, it's uh, it's something we all enjoy together. Remember the first time I, I drove a Turbo S? I mean, when the Turbo S came out, that was like the machine to have for a good two years. Um, and the first time I drove one, like this thing feels like a Porsche. Like it's just, it was on point. Um, we were down in South Dakota and it's pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tacky. The trails are tacky. Yeah. And like that thing was just handled on rails. Like I'd take corners doing 65, 70. And I don't even know, like, this was one of my cowboy buddies that had it. So he didn't have the suspension dialed or nothing with that thing. Just, like, any little bit of steering input, it just, it took it and just, you could go as fast as you want with that machine. So I was. I'm, For out-of-a-box machine. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it was it was very capable. Yeah, that was the first year that they, well, that was the first main high-production vehicle that utilized the dynamic suspension, which was the electronic control, which kept the body roll down to a oh, very yeah. minimum. Um, I think they had it in 2018. They had, like, the XP Turbo that had it on it, but the 19, I think, is when they came out with the Turbo. Well, actually, they came out with the Turbo S in 18 for a two-seater, so mm-hmm. it was about the same time. That's when they released electronic suspension. I think that was the game-changer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I just remember, like, so I think the standard UTV trail in all these places, like we went to Montana, Wyoming, all these places, and the standard UTV width was, I believe, 66. Yeah, I think and so. And then the Turbo S is a 72. So there's like, there's some spots where we had to turn around. It was so tight going in between trees. Like, well, we're going to make our own trail going around this. So, but yeah, I just like, that was kind of my first full-fledged side-by-side experience in Turbo S. Like, yeah. So do they have... Yeah, my- I ended up with my first experience in my Turbo S was seven miles on it. One of the guys in front had a two-seater, and he put us through some stupid tight stuff, and I ripped the rear fender right off the car seven lot. miles on it. Yeah, can't have <laughs> nothing nice. my stomach, but, yeah. you know, well, how broke many t- it in, I guess. Yeah, how many times have we worked on building side-by-sides and to take them out for the weekend, and then Monday we get a text oh, yeah. or phone call. They rolled it, wrecked it, got to fix it, and it's Sunk like, it, yeah. yeah. It never... 
like it never fails. It's almost like a guarantee that you're going to, you're going to bang it up, scratch it, roll it. It's kind of the nature of having, especially around here. A lot of the guys that have them, they buy them to abuse them, you know? So it's like, what happens when you, when you roll like that? Yeah. So do they have like, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh like side by side poker runs and stuff like that down there or not really? Um, I don't know as much down here. Um the most of the stuff down here is all like mud riding. I don't do mud riding, I hate mud, so mm-hmm. uh I kinda I'm in a weird spot. Like I all my customers don't live around me. <laughs> so, you know, we ship a lot of stuff because a typical customer around here loves mud and I just I don't really build things that are mm-hmm. attractive to them to the mud mm-hmm. group. But um, which is weird, you know, I'm right in the middle of it, but I don't do anything hardly that, you know, they want. So, but my business also has to be something that I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about mud. So mm-hmm. I kind of stay out of it. Yeah. I mean, even the dune events that are kind of, you know, they're in Oklahoma, which are about five hours north of me, but you know, they do poker runs and things like that. They've done, I've seen, you know, every once in a while they'll do like barrel racing events with side by side, you know, stuff like that. But it's not, you know, it's probably, I would say they call it bounty hole around here. That's the biggest thing we do around here is bounty holes, which are just these giant mud holes that they put freaking logs in the bottom of. And, oh. you know, you got to try to make it through it in the fastest time or, or whatnot. I don't, I don't do that at all. That's what's <laughs> popular around here. Oh, what the heck? Yeah, it's probably not really. My yeah, thing. you get those things like full of mud. It's like they're never clean again. Yeah. It's like you got to disassemble them to get them clean constantly destroying your bearings and your yeah. ball joints and everything else on the car. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure it is fun. It's mm-hmm. not my fun. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm sure like I'd be all about getting dirty in the mud, but I think it's the, everything afterwards that I just <laughs> yeah would rather not deal with. I feel like there's I better ways to have fun with them. I'd rather yeah stay dry and clean and go fast and catch some air than get dirty and, sink the thing i don't know mm-hmm. but even like rock climbing and just some of that the technical stuff yeah I yeah people can appreciate what those machines can do even just on that aspect yeah well nice well aaron thanks for uh chatting with us a little bit and um the glad that we got to pick your brain on on some of this stuff yeah it was interesting not a problem. I mean, it's been a it's been a good time. I don't. I mean, if y'all guys ever want to do this again, I don't mind. I mean, I always enjoy talking about about things. You know, uh, it's something I'm passionate about. Not just this. You know, I'm passionate about you know business and customers and people. So nice. So yeah, we're we're trying to grab hold of the side by side market up here, especially um, with the aftermarket side of things, because um, a lot of times the dealers they don't have what the customers are looking for, and then. The other side of that is that people don't even like dealing with the dealerships around here to begin with. So we're trying to grab the the entire market on the side by side industry in this in this region. So hopefully we'll be getting some products coming from you soon. Awesome! Mm-hmm. I'll look forward to to keeping that relationship. Definitely, yeah, absolutely, and we appreciate even like I said, even the help. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I'd appreciate I appreciated that a lot. And and that's a big thing too, Aaron. And and we've said this with previous um, guys that we have podcasted and even dealt with, but you know, that customer service goes a long ways. And when you can call another company and you reaching out for questions and you expect answers. And when you have somebody that's, you know, that's just right up front and, and, you know, so helpful and willing to work with you and, 
answer your questions and stuff. I mean, that, that part of it, you know, especially when you're talking to the guys that are actually own the companies and everything else, that part of the customer service goes so far. And, and us on the other end, uh, we're reaching for those answers. We appreciate that so much because that helps us out tremendously when we get into those situations. So I want to say again, you know, you guys have been awesome to deal with and work with. Awesome. Well, yeah, I love to hear that. That's what we, that's what we strive for is, is obviously the, the customer service side of everything. Kind of what we, we pride ourselves in quality and customer service. Yeah. It's the absolute foundation. So do you want to do a, a shout out, Aaron, where people can reach you. So like your website, if you have a Facebook page or anything like that, just let our listeners know where they can find your yeah. cool stuff, how to yeah, reach you. Absolutely. So, uh, you can find us on Instagram. We're just at ABF, like the alpha Bravo Frank ABF and then fabrication. So there's two F, um, and Facebook is going to be the same. It's just facebook.com slash ABF fabrication. Um, the phone number for us, you can get a hold of us on the time, on the phone anytime as well. Uh, that's what we pride ourselves in is being able to get a hold of us constantly. Um, and that's uh, 817-366-6110. And then I do have a TikTok. I hated TikTok in the beginning, but uh, it's been very useful for us. And you just probably search ABF Fabrication on there. It's not really necessarily a easy way other than just searching our company. We have a lot of videos, or if you want to search our hashtag, which is the cage expert, uh, you can search that hashtag and that'll pretty much get you anything we post. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're looking for something cool and custom for your side by side, definitely check these guys out. You won't be yeah, they are disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put, turn out some pretty cool stuff. Well, I appreciate it, Aaron. Again, uh, hopefully we can do a part two to this and, get some more info idea and be doing some more business with you. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Absolutely. Okay. Have a good day. Have a good one, Aaron. Bye. Thanks. Y'all too. Yep. yep. Bye. Bye. So, Hey, thanks everybody for listening to this podcast with Aaron. And don't forget if you have any comments or anything you want to ask or concerns on what we talk about, feel free to, Check us out or comment on our Facebook page, dakotacustoms.com, our website, our YouTube. If there's anything that, uh, even if there's something you want to talk about, if there's any like things that or questions that you're curious about that maybe we can answer for you, like don't be afraid. Feel free to drop us a line and uh, we'll hopefully we can answer some questions or some of the comments on our podcast. Yeah, always 100% open yeah. line communication. So. Yeah. Whatever you guys want to know, need to know, help you out. Yeah, absolutely. So again, thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for our next one next week, next episode. See you guys. See ya. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Unriveted Radio. Also available on demand with the Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Download in the App Store or Google Play today. Unriveted Radio, presented by Dakota Customs, a full-service custom garage on the Strip in Mandan.